I, I don't know. I don't know what will come of it, but I've just got this innate knowing that I have to do this. Like it's sitting yeah. in me. Hello and welcome to the Explore Your Core podcast. I'm the host Elise and on this podcast we delve inwards and explore how some incredible people are following their own passion and purpose and how you can find yours too. I'm joined by Kat. <laughs> we actually met at a Cool To Be Conscious breathwork workshop. We were just sharing first time I got to meet her about like a couple of our goals and she shared something about having a bit of a story that's been quite pivotal and I've been really intrigued and I've, I've held off for hearing about the whole story so that I can kind of hear it firsthand on the podcast so thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, I'm very excited. <laughs> me too, yeah, we connected straight away and I'm just really excited to see where this conversation goes. Yeah, um, look I'll tell you a little bit about my story, it's an interesting one so mm. it's now it's been, it was the other day 9th of January, it's been 12 years now funnily enough I was speaking to one of my best friends who was with me and she just said oh my goodness it feels like it was yesterday and in the same token feels so so long ago and so I went with a group of friends after uni so there's a a group of us that went to Thailand um, after we graduated just a bit of a celebration and a week away to celebrate you know finishing uni and and getting I guess our first full-time jobs and we were lucky enough to meet like a South Australian couple who kind of took us under their wing and showed Mm. us you know best places to eat best places here and the reason I say that they introduced us to this beautiful tour guide cot who became a dear friend and like a family member for what was to come and thank goodness we had him uh, and he took us out on this day we went touring and um, saw some elephants and decided where we saw these elephants to do some quad bike riding and so I hadn't been a stranger to quad bikes I'd ridden them before and we took them kind of on road to start so that was fine you know safety year on everything and then we went uh, off road and it was kind of quite jungly terrains there's divots like it's not it's not straight you kind of it's not easy to ride on and there were some narrow pathways up and down Uh, my friend Kim so we're in single file my friend Kim kind of got stuck one bit ended up bumping into her and the the bikes were like a bit slow to break so you'd break but they'd keep kind of rolling for a bit yeah so it just took a little bit of time and then uh, her partner, Brad, ended up almost like flipping one. We had to kind of ride up. It sounds funny, but like ride up this little boulder. And I remember kind of getting off and almost doing it a bit differently. And we got to a point and um, I got off the bike and, and said to uh, my partner at the time, like, I'm a bit uncomfortable. Like, I normally don't feel like this on the bike. I'm gripping really tight. My arms are sore from holding on so tight. It's just a bit bumpy. And, you know, funnily enough kind of my intuition was like oh I don't think I should keep going and um Kim said to me oh thank goodness you're saying that like I, I was like Kat always says this is fun and she's sitting there going this is terrifying and I said it's normally not like this and anyway we asked the guide and we said look how much longer and is it flat and straight or are we going to have to keep kind of winding through these paths and you know in kind of the broken English said flat flat 10 minutes 15 minutes done and we we're like oh, okay and so uh, my partner at the time said, oh, what do you want to do? And I kind of said to him, oh, I'm thinking about jumping on the back of your bike. I just don't feel right. I don't feel comfortable. Da-da. I should have listened to my gut. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. I jumped back on my bike and we all went off. And they were right. It was wide. It was probably wider than we've been, but we're up high. And to the left of us were cliffs and, and kind of forests, you know, when there's all the trees and you, like a big drop down off um, on the side. And so we got back on and there wasn't much longer to go. It would have been maybe five, ten minutes before we finished. And friend Kim kind of came up to this ditch in front of me and got stuck in it. So me thinking I was smart, tried to go up and around her, but my bike wasn't really balanced. And the front wheel went into the divot. So instead of going straight where I was supposed to, I ended up at a 90 degree angle and my bike kind of spun and headed straight toward the cliff's edge and I tried to kind of re-maneuver and there wasn't really enough time so I ended up 
going straight off the cliff on my bike. So I remember as I went over, I heard this scream and then realized it was me. It sounded, I know that sounds funny, but it didn't sound like myself. And I called my partner's name at the time. And, um, and then I just remember going faster and faster and it felt, I'm sure it would have been something like five seconds. But in that time, I remember thinking, do I jump? And I, I was kind of pushing, like, you know, if you're going face down something, I was pushing as hard as I could, arms locked out against the handles, trying to just stay on the bike. Do I jump? Do I do this? You know, is this the end? You know, thinking about my parents, thinking about this. And then I don't really remember anything after that. So I had to be kind of filled in. Uh, but basically, um, um, he said he jumped and went hurtling down this cliff and hit his hand on a rock. And he said, I actually think I broke my hand and it was a bit of a wake up call to slow down because. If I did it, then I would be where you were. And he said, I saw a tree, the bike upside down on one side, and he had seen it kind of go in the air um, when I went over, and then you on the other. And he just said, you, I said, what was I like? Because I don't remember. And he said, you were on rocks and you were mangled. He said, I thought you were dead. Um, And so at that time, I wasn't making any noise and he didn't think and, and God bless him, rushed down straight away. And he got to me and he said he touched my shoulder and then I let out this scream and he said it was the best noise I'd ever heard <laughs> because I, I was, you know, silent up until that point. He thought I was dead. He said he got to God down. Apparently all I started screaming was my back, my back, my back, just screaming in pain. And he, knowing we'd just done our first aid course, knowing that basically everything they were doing was wrong, but not being able to kind of do anything else. They supported my back and my neck with their arms and had to let my legs dangle and had to literally inch by inch climb and pull me up a cliff to try and save me so one of them would hold me the others would kind of climb and they'd pull and then do it again and this is the way they explained it and um, until they got me to the top and and Kim was there and she was a nurse so she had me in her lap and and supporting my head and um, from what they said they didn't tell me this till much later the the crew obviously the people who were running the quad bike thing were helping and trying to do things but there was no helicopter coming there was no you know anything Uh, I I did wake up at some point kind of along there All, all I remember was the pain in my back and they got me to the top and uh, they had called a ute in, and so I went on a spinal board in the back of a ute. <laughs> and you can imagine on that terrain, it was, I remember how painful it was, until we got to an ambulance, and it was a volunteer ambulance. So there was two paramedics in the front, uh, and thank goodness we had Kim. She sat with me in the back, put the oxygen on me, and, and you know tied me to the board as, as well as she could. And we knew everything that I should be doing. The only relief I got was from lifting my legs up, and she said, you've got to put them down, you've got to put them down they had predicted that I'd broken my back from what I had screamed and um and yeah it was a a, a tricky like everything that could go wrong did the ambulance ended up taking us to the wrong destination and caught the tour guide I mentioned before followed and said take her here and so thank goodness for him they took me to an international hospital where a lot of Aussies go for and I was really really blessed and lucky to be there so then ensued a long two-month slog and recovery and so I lost my spleen I had kind of obliterated my spleen uh two parts of my liver I had broken five ribs three vertebrae lucky not to to get my actual um, spinal cord Uh, my scapula which they only found out later when I got to try and walk again I like was screaming they didn't know what was wrong a thumb I lost teeth I had I had all my skin on my chest and my arm was off so I was bleeding kind of everywhere and a big gash on my chin and then bleeding so I, I pretty much lost all of my blood it was all kind of free floating so I was extremely extremely lucky they I didn't know this but um, my dad told me a little bit after he arrived that the doctor had said kind of two in ten with my injuries who walk in walk out um, oh. so that kind of put it into perspective I guess yeah 
of what happened and yeah lots of things I had issues with my lungs I had to have it was like a garden hose in my chest just because it was fluid and um uh, one of the things that I remember in my recovery the most I had this little machine sounds so funny just had three tubes and three balls in it and a little kind of um spiral thing you had to breathe in and the aim was try and get all three balls up and I remember my friends all took it as a bit of a challenge. Like, oh, let's see. And, and most of them could get all three. And uh, I couldn't even get the first one up to begin with. So it was a long challenge of recovery and physio and, um, you know, learning. Like I, I could walk, but um, the first time they got me up to walk was with a nappy. Uh, I don't know how many. I think I had three or four people assisting with tubes out everywhere and very kind of hunched with everything that was going on. So learning to kind of, you know, walk, walk proud mm. and properly breathing like was a big issue so yeah there was there was lots and complications kept arising it was two months I was supposed to come back only after a couple of weeks and um, they took the tube out for my lung things looked like it was going well and then that built up again so I had to have another surgery and um, obviously opened right up initially and had about 55 staples that was an interesting experience watching them all come out it was was quite quite daunting and then um it was a journey and, and when I finally got back home it was phenomenal I was so excited to be back and remember the next day all these doctors like rushing into my room I was like what's going on oh, we need to talk to you and I said okay after some more scans and I said I oh, just give me a sec I just need to go to the loo and no they all screamed at me I said what do you mean they said hey we'll get you the bedpan I said oh, I walked yesterday what are you talking about thinking I was feeling pretty good and then one of them sat down and put his hand on me and said Katrina you've got a blood clot in your vena cava that is quite large and, and studying this stuff with, you know, P, we studied a lot of, of the body and, and did stuff with cadavers. Like I knew kind of what they were talking about. And he said, if you walk or move, there's a chance it can throw and there's already some in your lungs. So meaning it can detach. We need you to stay still. We need to take you for emergency surgery across the road. So I'd just gotten back all excited oh. and then had to have this operation when I was awake that they put this filter in through my neck to make sure that this blood clot didn't move. And at the time I was like, okay, a little clot, like, you know, whatever that might be. And I was sedated recovering after and remember dad talking to someone on the phone thinking I was asleep and he kind of said, yeah, it's four or five inches long and takes up 80% of the vena cava. And I turned around and went, what? Like, <laughs> knowing kind of what that meant. So, um, yeah, it was crazy. It was a big recovery. Um, and, and unfortunately we're back in again in 2013 for more surgery, more things and, um, got a diagnosis with lupus and that one was probably a bit more challenging in that they didn't know what was going on. And, oh my, I can't <laughs> even process that. That is like, and, and that's the thing as well, cause even when it is not like a bad injury, the fact of, you know, going for hospital surgery and recovering can be enough. Like that can mm. be a big deal. That can be like, you know, spanner in the works, but to just know one thing after the other and such an unknown outcome as well that's crazy do you remember what like the first kind of thoughts were realizations when you were kind of waking up or realizing the extent of what's happened yeah um this is a bit confronting but um i I was really out of it for the first little bit i remember being in icu and i had my arms strapped down because of the extent of my injuries and also i woke up with a breathing tube in and I don't think that's a normal thing. I think I think maybe depending on the severity, but from, as I said, Kim's a nurse, my friend, I don't think that is something that normally happens. And I got the biggest fright because you try and breathe and that's doing it for you. So oh. it was it was very confronting. I struggled. I had my arms strapped down. They were next to me. Her and Trent said, you know, just breathe and calm. And um, I actually remember, and this is awful to say, but I actually remember um, struggling and it got to a point where I was so exhausted that I stopped. I ended up vomiting, but I had like the nasogastric, everything cleared it. And it was the strangest feeling, at least it was like once you kind of gave in, then it did it, it was doing it for me, but it was 
obviously like an involuntary Whoa. thing. So I had to just release and let go. And once I kind of learned, so how you to didn't do have that, to. Breathe. It was doing the machine did, does it for you. Yes, but that when you think about that with you being awake, it's such an odd thing because obviously you go, you wake up and you're like, oh, it's your first thing, you know. So it was Whoa. a very strange experience but I guess I just said release and let go kind of a metaphor for what was to come I guess um and, uh, and then I remember my dad arriving the next morning and they took the tube out and I remember just bursting I was like oh, this like, you know, it, was just, it was like this release of him coming and feeling like you know I was 22 at the time that I was that I was safe and that I was in hands where someone could could talk for me and, and be there for me and advocate for me when I might not be able to because I was still kind of in and out of it um and then then being moved to the ward I kind of remember waking up and going I fell off Clifton and then back to sleep and then it took me a while to kind of Mm. you know come back to where I was and understand but I guess a long way around answering your question the first things I remember a lot of pain um I obviously had a broken back but also had a big you know obviously now incision down my front but had a lot of coughing because of the fluid in my lungs so it almost became a bit comical I'd be like ah I remember that but I but I remember uh, and one thing I probably don't give myself enough credit for was just uh, I was a positive person I still am a positive person I don't think I would have got through it you know without that just remember thinking all right one step at a time like whatever is going to come at me just one bit at a time one bit at a time and so it was you know if we're looking today at trying to get this tube out great if we're looking the next day at trying to breathe a bit deeper so I can work towards getting that tube out great like it was just trying to take one thing at a time and um and just overflowed with love and support from from community around me which was amazing what do you think contributed to having a positive mindset like you're 22 you've been young healthy free traveling and now like your world's just turned upside down yeah what do you think contributed to you actually having a good mindset for it? Um, I think just the person I was, the way I was raised, my values and, mm-hmm. and the people that I had in my life. I know I said to someone, I've been through probably more emotional challenges in the past few years than, than I have ever. And I said, sometimes I find that emotional stuff can be more difficult than the physical. Mm-hmm. But in, in that time and place I think I was an innately happy person and you know had a high energy and high buzz and and tried to bring joy to people around me I think that kindness costs nothing and that's always been a big value to me I think what's the twain uh, the quote Mike Twain says is like kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and that the blind can see I think it is something like that and it doesn't cost anything so as a kid you know I've always was always taught to be honest and and value being kind to other people Um, and I think it's so true you never know what somebody else is going through and mm. I think it's just that mindset and I also I always thought there's always someone worse off there's always someone worse off I'm blessed I've had you know a great upbringing great family great friends and I can do this I can do this and I just think I had to continue thinking that way because what's the alternative you know I was in a, a place where it did get hairy sometimes and Absolutely. I think yeah I think doctors got worried at times even back here when they didn't know what was going on I'd lost a significant amount of weight um, you know they were pulling me off things and having to put me back on because things just weren't working and it was like a mystery they couldn't figure out what was happening and um, you know they wouldn't say it to me but they'd say it to my parents you know if we can't figure it out here it's not you know it's not looking good blah 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 um, and I think you've just got to got to stay strong and, and I was proud of that first stint that I managed to do that I think it comes down to perspective doesn't it I think yeah. you know we can there's only there's not things you can control and I think you're dealt the hand that you're given and you sit there and go, okay, this has happened. I can't change that it's happened. I'm either going to choose to deal with it 
in this way or I'm going to dwell and sit sit in, in misery. And I don't think that would have helped anybody, let alone the people around me or myself. So I think perspective is one thing that we can control and that we can choose. And I think that's with anything in life. If we, if we choose to see something in a certain way, then everything kind of flows on from that. So if you choose to have a victim mentality, and don't get me wrong, there are things in, in this world that are unfair. And, you know, when you look at things like, and I hate saying it, but like kids with cancer and stuff like that, that is unfair. And, and, you know, they are a victim of that. But I guess that is what's happened. Where can you go? from there and you can only control what you can control from there so I think that has been my mentality always and and just trying to control the controllables and and, um, move forward in that way Mm. isn't it crazy though just how much like perspective makes a difference like you have the same situation but you just have a different perspective like you've been able to conquer and have this mindset where you've gotten yourself well probably fairly quickly as well in that like because of that perspective you have you could just as easily have a perspective like this world is against me like my life has just been ruined. Everything's turned upside down. Like I shouldn't. I don't want to be here. Like that can so easily have gone that way, and then you don't ever try and recover, and you don't care, and like it could have taken you down a completely different path mm. from that one moment of like. I guess there's a lot that makes up the perspectives, and not just oh I choose to be positive. No, I choose no, to be no, negative. There's yeah. obviously a lot of beliefs. Like if you are say like negative and those beliefs and then trying to put it as a positive perspective it won't work like you genuinely don't believe the world is good yeah absolutely but just to know the difference that it makes with a different perspective yeah i think so and like perspective can't cue i don't know if you've heard the um, story of emma carey i think I'm, well, i've told you last week on the beach she, they call her the girl that fell from the sky so she had a skydiving accident and she also broke her back but um you know she was not able to walk for a bit and i i'm incredibly lucky that you know, I had a couple of the little processes of the spine break off and I'm lucky that nothing, you know, was able to get to my spinal cord and that it was at a, at a, a point where I was still able to walk. But, you know, she she talks about it and saying, um, you know, positivity and perspective doesn't necessarily cure you. So I'm not, I'm not kind of naive in that way. You know, she was saying she was in a spinal ward and, and everyone said to her, oh, your positivity and this is amazing. She said, but if, if positivity cured you, everybody in that spinal ward would be walking and everybody, you know, it's not just that, it's a combination of, of different factors. And I guess... You know, I was lucky. I was fit, which helped me at the time, I'm sure. Um, but I, I just think in life, perspective is huge. And it's not, not about curing, but it's about being able to move forward um, and being able to kind of look inward and, and think about your life in a manner that is going to, you know, provide you with your greatest growth rather than, than going the other way. I, I, I don't know. I just think not everybody maybe but looks at it in that way, but... I think positivity is huge in relation to anything in life. It doesn't just have to be healing, but any situation that you're given, you know, if, if you can't control it and you've been dealt something with that way, you've got two ways to look at it and, and which way do you choose? And I mm. think, you know, dwelling and, and misery and that negativity is just going to put you in, in negative loops and negative mm. cycles. It's not going to help you move forward. So Yeah, and you've actually also got to believe it as well. Then it becomes like toxic positivity where it's like, cool, yeah. I'm upset. Things need to change oh no, it's all good. Like, you know, just making the most of it and being grateful for what I have. It's like, there comes a role in, yeah, obviously having positivity, but you're then throwing, yeah, random things out and like masking when, say you're feeling pain, that's a a, a good reason to change, to make something like your reason you're feeling discomfort or pain is your body telling you try something different, Mm. go somewhere else. But Mm. if you're masking it with, oh no, I'm grateful for where I am and you know, happy the sun came out kind of thing. You're like mm. just masking it with the wrong thing. Like it comes a point where it's having positivity in life is 
more of a consistent, hardworking, mm. deeper belief that you carry rather than an easy, quick fix. Absolutely. Smother. Yeah. yeah. And, talks, and that's the thing. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I've done a lot of work and I've been, um, I'm happy to say I've been seeing like a psychologist lately who I love. She's been amazing. But um, also really owning, feeling your feelings. Like, don't get me wrong. There were days where, you know, you have to sit in it and where you feel like rubbish. And as you said, I don't think just that airy fairy, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. You've got to let people in. You've got to be vulnerable. You've got to accept help from people. And I think these are all things in life, you know. But um, if I didn't accept help on that journey, I wouldn't be here. There's no way. And I had had a community that, that helped me heal. Um, but I agree, it can't be that, that toxic. And it's not uh, a learnt from Peru, from Brendan Collinsworth, who was our leader on this retreat that I just came back from, from Peru, that it's about embodying what that is. So, you know, being those things, not just saying anyone can say these things and anyone can tell you that this is the way to be but if you don't live by it and it's not in your innate actions and what you do every day then it's rubbish so uh, you know he talked about it's only in the fire when you're tested it's only when you're you know things kind of fall apart do you still embody these traits do you still show that you're willing to be positive and work hard and as you said it's more a, a work ethic almost trying to kind of overcome things and how you see the world rather than just being like oh everything's roses you know it's not mm. we have hard times life is hard um, but, but I think, yeah, once you choose to have, you know, a, a perspective that enables you to kind of look outward in rather than, um, you know, rather than kind of focusing on extrinsic things, if you can do it from an intrinsic perspective, then that's what's important. hundred mm, percent. And what do you feel like was the biggest take home from that accident that like, if nothing else matters, <laughs> this does, like, what do you reckon is like the core well yeah there's, there's i feel like a lot few. of a lot of things you would have got easily caught up or distracted by just like no like this there's yeah. no other way to like really yeah think yeah oh. there's a few i think um as i said to you it was interesting um to listen to some of your podcasts previous and, and sean he talked about um you know the incident with his friend where life can just be gone in an instant and you often think that's not going to happen to me mm. that's going to mm-hmm. happen to someone mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, I don't, I, like I'm getting things about now. It's so funny. It's been so long. I tell this story and it almost feels now like it wasn't me. And, you know, whilst I still can feel those things and put myself back there, it almost feels like it, it's not. But I think you can't lose perspective of, of what it was and that our life can be gone in an instant. So you have to take every day as it comes and enjoy everything that you do and and go after what you want to go after and and i think one of the biggest things for me um you know little things like enjoying small things time with my family time with my friends getting to go to the beach which i love and see this beautiful sunset and water and it sounds cliche but they're things that you take for granted until something like this happens for me human connection and the importance of community was the biggest thing and it again may sound cliche but when you go from this world what do you have right you don't take anything that's materialistic with you You can't take your house can't take car you can't take any of those things what fulfills me the most is my relationships and human connection with with people you know conversations like this um you know meeting people you know learning people's stories that's what fulfills me and that's what calls me so you know i'm I'm a school teacher and one of the biggest things i think i was saying to you last week with my kids i want them to be better people not just better students and so i was head of sport for a long time and yes i want our school to win and i wanted to do well in the sport program to succeed but for me i guess what does success look like is it wins and losses on the board or is it 
that you're developing good students, good teammates, good human beings who can communicate, who can. And so that might kind of go off on a tangent, but in the end, that's all about being a good person. And if you're a good person, you're going to be a good student and you're going to be a good sports person and you're going to get success. And it kind of filters into everything else. And if I can teach kids how to communicate a bit better, you know, when we're in an era of smartphones and emails and they're Mm. going to email a teacher, no, no, go and have a face-to-face conversation Mm -hmm. and develop your skills that will help you later in life for a job or, um, you know, be a good teammate. How do I be a good teammate or how do I be a good leader? And, And getting them to go out and action things, so embody things rather than, you know, just say, just speak like what we were just saying before, you know, don't just go and say what you're going to do go and do it um all of those things to me are a byproduct of what i learn if i can kind of you know say this is what i learn i want to be the best human i can be and i want to help others do the same then you know i've, I've taken what i learned from that accident i'm trying to kind of filter that mm-hmm. out and a lot of them don't know you know they don't know about it yeah. they don't need to know but um you know if i can help people reach their potential what a gift that's yeah that's a great mm. thing or even take some steps in the direction to do that you know, there's a lot of things I learned, but I think for me, the most important thing is telling the people around you that you love them. Just really valuing the people around you and, and the way that you connect with people and your relationships, because in the end, you know, what else do we have? I think kind of COVID mm. showed us that really. Mm. Yeah, I think it's kind of a gift. I mean, it's so awful what you did go through, but a gift to have the perspective of that. Like not many people step back like I think when you travel you kind of step back a little bit like oh this isn't Mm. my friend group I want to be in like what am I doing this work like I don't even like you kind of get this like little bit further away and then you step back in you know the little bubble if you want but to have it where you like stripped of everything and like what am I doing here what like it is so powerful it even gets me like emotional thinking about like it just brought up so much about that same thing with me just like not knowing what was happening in life and just being like, this is the most pure thing. It's like, if you can't die with money and materialistic things, it's like that meaning in life. That's just the most powerful thing. Mm. And we, we know that we know that, but why does it take something like this to remind us of that? And, you know, we, I know we get busy and there's this busy culture, especially, you know, Melbourne, Australia, this busyness culture and, and COVID stripped that back and allowed us, to, you know, we had time in isolation and sometimes that's a good thing. You know, we need time to reflect. And I found kind of as I'm getting older, I need some of that alone time to go inward and reflect and, and recharge. But for me and I, everyone's different. I love, I get my energy off, off my people and from my people and mm-hmm. being in community. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of my intentions on the retreat was to listen more than I speak. You know, I like to learn from other people and hear what other people have to say and, Learning is not just from a book, you know, I'm a teacher and I, so I think you learn, as you said, by traveling, by by speaking to people who come from different circumstances to you. And yeah, I think it, it's a gift. And I did, like in Thailand, the nurses were the most beautiful people and some of them spoke English and some didn't. But, you know, you lose <laughs> you lose all dignity when you're in a, a position like mm-hmm. that. And, and like, you know, I now what I remember from it is the funny times, like so many different funny stories that we had, you know, and, and things to keep your joy alive. I remember we got, you know, burnt Friends DVDs and a cheap DVD player and used to watch it in, in the hospital room. We, it was like a hotel room. It was a be- you know, beautiful place to be able to, to laugh and, and find some joy. And, you know, I remember one time, you know, with, with any kind of accident things, when you're with anesthetic, it can be 
hard to kind of you know get your bowels going again and I remember I was having real trouble after the last operation and it was like a, a group thing the nurses would come <laughs> in every day and they do it here but it was funny in Thailand you know that it kind of don't have the vernacular and they'd come in and say number one number two today like, oh gosh okay we're getting we're getting into it and then uh, you know I wasn't able to for a long time and, and this sounds so funny the day that I did a nurse opened the door and yelled to the rest of the nurses I had about seven people down the corridor clapping and cheering I was like okay can we shut the door now <laughs> so you, you know you kind of you go through all these things and get stripped right back to your core but they're the things that you remember you know and I even remember asking dad tried to go out and ask a nurse for a towel and she bought soap and then she bought a face washer and then he you know said oh towel touch and she goes oh towel 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 and came back and then we had a joke for the rest of the time about the towel like so there was you know just little things that that you remember about the people and then when it was time to go you know I was crying they were crying they became yeah yeah they became family for you know the time that I was there and you know they they get kind of involved in in your care and your recovery so Mm. yeah I've seen you in your most like raw absolutely what were some of the biggest changes we like, don't want that anymore I do want that like what did you start chasing what did you let go of yeah good question as I said at that time I was a pretty positive person and pretty upbeat and and was you know I was just about to start my career so I had to I had my first teaching job and I was really worried I had to call and say I can't do it and I didn't know how long for and the school that I was at was incredible and very supportive and so I had to have six months off before I could then go back so um, that was yeah that was a bit scary but I think for me it sounds silly just again you know these cliche things but it was not taking things for granted I know it, it might sound funny that and again in 2013 when I went back in I just wanted to get back into the classroom and we you know I know as teachers and things we look forward to our holidays and we whinge it sounds funny but just that normality that sense of normality of routine of not having to get up and have injections left right and center of not having to you know and as I said I know there's a lot of people so much worse off but yeah just some kind of sense of normality I remember thinking I just want to get back to my life into my bed to walk my dog to um, you know get into the classroom and do what it is that I've just studied for four years to do and I think just not taking the small things for granted and I don't think I have since then and I'm lucky in that it's given me a different outlook mm. and that mm. I you know I, I try not to whinge and we get caught up and we you know in the moment, oh that happened and, da, da, da. and don't get me wrong I'm guilty of that you know more than as much as anyone but I think I really yeah, I don't I don't take the little things for granted I you know I catch up with friends often I just had some friends say to me what the heck you're running around left right and center and I'm like yeah I am and I, I know when to take a break but I love to be able to go out and see my friends and, and you know, catch up for a hot chocolate, catch up for a smoothie here or go for a walk because I nearly couldn't do that, you mm, know. So I think mm. it's just a, the simple things, you know. Have, I, I hate to think, you kind of think you broke your back and people go, oh, could you walk straight away? That's a thing that, that people think. And not that not being able to is any lesser of a life, but I'm, I'm so grateful that I can and that I, you know, I can do things that I love with, as a result of the blood clots. I had some recurrent ones and wasn't able to do contact sport anymore. So that's something that, had kind of been taken away but there's so many things that I can do and so I guess being appreciative of and, and not taking for granted mm. um, is probably the biggest thing yeah I think it's so easy as well like with the fast-pacedness of the world and social media it's like so easy to get caught up in living like an extraordinary life a big mm. like things happening big things achieving this going here like this just out of the ordinary life is what we're all kind of like striving and it's almost like oh you didn't do anything today but it's like within the day even that you didn't do much it's like 
being grateful still of like going out for breakfast or for your sleeping or just all these things that's like you don't realize is so special to have until you've lost and you've, you've lost everything you until lost you like you, to be able yeah. to breathe you lost like voice you lost control over like your situation you lost everything so then when you have it like whoa this is actually mm. yeah something you can take for granted not anyone can do this it's not always guaranteed that you can like mm. even within a boring day or a normal day there is still so much to be grateful for mm. Mm. and i was blessed to get them back you know yeah, what i mean so yeah I, yeah yeah and i guess this is why this is on the path i'm on now you know it's taken me a while but i'm determined to use it in a way to, to try and, and send that message and, and get others to kind of stand up and go after what they want and um, and to connect, to connect. There's, you know, a lot, a lot. It was interesting watching my students coming back and seeing what COVID did, you know, when people are isolated and when they're separated for a long period of time, coming back together, it was overwhelming, you know, anxiety-inducing for a lot of them. But I think, you know, life isn't meant to be done alone. We say this all the time. We're made for human connection. You know, what were people doing in tribal days? They raised children together. It was a village. And that's the point. You know, I think we get vulnerable sometimes about exposing things that we're not good at or our inner thoughts or our self-talk. And, you know, we all have that. We all have negative self-talk. We all have um, doubts and, you know, about our beliefs, about where we can go. But I think when we share those, we realise we're not alone. But it takes that vulnerability to lean in and share those things and have those discussions um, but I'm finding more and more that's where the growth is and that's where, you know, you meet like-minded people who can help you on that journey. Mm, such mm. a beautiful message to yeah, be vulnerable, to connect, to strip back and be grateful for what we do have. Like, it's incredible that you're still here with us. <laughs> <laughs> lucky. You made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, lucky to be and, and, and very happy to be and hopefully can, yeah, live, live a fulfilling life mm. just by being know authentically me and hopefully making those beautiful connections with people as we go through i love that thank you so much for coming on and sharing such an incredible story and that's really 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 touching and incredible to see the message that you are sharing thank you very much for having me it's been a beautiful discussion yeah of course you can (laughs) (laughs) well that wraps up this week's episode If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, follow Explore Your Core on Spotify and Instagram to be updated with more episodes and share to your socials to help more people be able to follow their passions.